In entertainment news, this episode was brought to you by Cards Against Humanity, and they asked these local podcasters not to read an ad. Tonight at 11, right after Enjoy the Show. Tonight on Bullstone. Capitol Hill lawmakers continue their push to enact legislation repealing any concept of meaningful progress. What you can't see will kill you. Is the air you're breathing toxic? The deadly invisible substance that kills in seconds. More at 11. Come on, baby. Don't fear the... Sweeper? Local vacuum company pleads not guilty to three counts of fatal suction. A new study finds that alcohol and loud political discussion link to celibacy in local bars. A recent discovery of bear dung in a populated Los Angeles urban area challenges the widely accepted claim that bears do indeed defecate in the woods. Here I am. Rock you like a... Charlemagne? (laughs) We'll tell you why one French museum has banned all music on their property. All these working for the weekend stories and more tonight on Bullstone. And welcome to another exciting episode of Bullstone. And I have to sing it, but I don't really, but I can't stop. Bullstone. Flora, how the hell are you? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Excited to, to test drive that new theme song. <laughs> yeah. Boy. Really run it, really put it through its paces. Lots of uh, yeah. auto tune and break beats. <laughs> That's what the kids Tra- like. Trap Trap house. <laughs> Flip-flop, whatever they call it. Oh, all man. that all that good stuff. It really really gives Diablo Swing Orchestra a run for its money, Dave. Damn right. Uh, <laughs> my name's Dave Stecco. What's your name? My name. Well, that'd be David Flora. Whoa, <laughs> said the said the dark stranger who just strutted into the <laughs> saloon of this podcast. What did I do? You strutted in. Oh, I thought <laughs> it sounded like it sounded like you said strugged in. I'm like, <laughs> how do you strug? <laughs> Oh, that's like like carry strug. You just have someone carry you after your gold medal. <laughs> ah, good one. Uh, you oh. did it. <laughs> yeah, but you can't, you're not the only hard ticket in this bar, Flora. That's right. Huddled over your bottle of whiskey, daring some dumb son of a bitch to make eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's right, Dave. Uh, we have a very special guest uh, tonight. He is the host of the Monsters Among Us podcast. Everybody, please say hello inside your heads or out loud. We don't care. To Derek Hayes. Greetings and salutations. Hey, guys. How do, sir? See, I can say it out loud and it makes perfect sense. You're the ones that are crazy. (laughs) Derek, how the hell are you, sir? I am doing wonderful. How are you guys today? Good, good, good. In the neighborhood, hood, hood. I'm doing it. I feel like I'm killing the game. (laughs) <laughs> and and also cool in the gang. I'm all over the place. <laughs> I can uh, tell. Derek, Derek's out in uh, sunny California. Sunny, hot, and dry California. That's right. Oh, yeah. 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 Up in the mountains up there, right? That's true. Yeah, up above uh, Los Angeles. I can see it on a clear day. Wow. It's like Moss Eisley. Just kind of look at it, and <laughs> you don't want to go down there. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. 
Plus, there's two burnt husks out in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, too dark? Not yet. Well, uh, thanks for coming on, Derek. Uh, we're excited to talk yeah. to you. And why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and uh, a little bit about Monsters Among Us and all the other uh, side projects you got going on? Well, if we have that kind of time, I guess I can get into it. Oh, um, yeah. So basically, Monsters Among Us, uh, I'll start there, is a call-in show about monsters. Um, I took the old interview, you know, uh, uh, coast-to-coast style call-in to a different extreme. I don't do any interviews. You call in, you leave a story. I don't interrupt you. You ramble as long as you'd like. And uh, basically, I talk about your story. I examine different parts. I try to rationalize what it might have been. Or or sometimes I will even uh, try to bring in other stories that uh, kind of prove your your encounter, if, if you will. Um, oftentimes, what you've experienced has happened before, and you'd be amazed how much information is out there, um, you know, to back up that claim. So anyway, uh, I do that every Thursday on, you know, iTunes or wherever you find podcasts. In addition to that, I also operate Cryptid Crate, which a lot of you have probably heard of if you've listened to this fine show. Uh, basically, it's a box subscription company that uh, peddles Bigfoot, uh, Nessie, ghosts, uh, aliens, all that kind of merchandise. You pay one flat fee, you get a box full of goodies once a month, and you kind of you know share them with your friends or do whatever you do with Bigfoot items. <laughs> well, I mean, I think they do have the exclusive contract on Bigfoot teeth. <laughs> <laughs> that I do. I yeah. I also produce some strange art on the side as well. So uh, yeah, yeah. That's some. If your your prize winner for Miss Cryptid uh, last month. Got to experience right. something a little like that. So that thing was awesome. Yeah, it was a uh, a Bigfoot molar in a little in a little. Um, what do you, what do you call that? It's not a shadow box, right? It's a. Uh, I just call just, it a frame because I'm a simple man. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> you could say it's a, you could say it's a shadow box. I'll let that go. I'll I mean, let that slide. You could doily it up as much as you like, Esther. <laughs> well, it, it was it was behind glass and in a box. <laughs> don't try to church it up it's a box it's fine i well. just want to refer to you as esther for the rest of this show floor <laughs> i can't i won't do that i was thing. just trying to help him out <laughs> um Glorious. well it was it was cool that was from rag and bone emporium right that's that's right yeah that's that uh, you can find store? that on etsy or facebook or wherever rag and bone emporium yeah cool if you like that weird stuff. Oh. I suspect people do. Oh, yeah. And if you have uh, subscribed to Cryptid Crate, then you may have received one of our uh, fine additions to it. Derek was kind enough to let us put a bookmark in there. Mm-hmm. Those bookmarks are not easy to get. You have to pay out <laughs> the up. nose to get those. <laughs> those Literal not, cents for one of those, yeah, right? Yeah, you have to. You got to cough up some cash if you want one of those bookmarks. Dave, Dave loves busting my balls about this because when we were at the, Par- the Milwaukee Paracon last year, I was like, yeah, we'll sell these for like a dollar, two dollars, whatever. I, I forget how much I was. But I was like, I, I had them laid out on the merchandise table. And I was like, you know, for money, you can have one of these. Yeah. And, and and Dave and Mark Soloff were like, why are you selling these? They're terrible. Okay. Just give them no away. One, no one ever said they were terrible because they're not. They're fucking awesome. <laughs> But they're also 
bookmarks. <laughs> and so Mark and I were of the opinion that it would be a great thing to give away, but we didn't want to really push you on it. And so our solution was to just give them away when you weren't at the table. <laughs> I, I was not at the table often, apparently. <laughs> All kinds of decisions were made when yeah, I was just at the table. Just ask Lorman Merlman. But anyways, I, I <laughs> yeah, re- have reluctantly digress. relinquished that uh, idea on the bookmarks. So they are now a marketing item and maybe coming great, to though. a to a fine hand n- near you soon. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Check your hands. You might they might be there already. <laughs> uh but uh hope the cryptid crate's going well for you, Derek. And it it yeah. is, yeah, yeah. Thank you. I know that uh, Monsters Among Us is going very well. That has uh, been growing like a weed in summer. It has, in fact, uh, you guys may know one of my guest hosts that I have coming up on Thursday's season three finale. Uh, David, you were kind enough to, you know, waste some time and, and chat with me. And I haven't completely put the show together, but I have a feeling it's going to be pretty good. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it was my pleasure to be on there. Yeah. So uh, on on the season three finale, please go check that out and check out the other episodes. Don't just stop there. Uh, too late but, yeah you, you, you took you, your hand you may you may recognize a familiar voice on there and it was a it was a ton of fun to talk about i felt like i i completely rambled about folklore and stuff on a uh a show where we should have probably been talking about ghost dogs and cemetery lore <laughs> <laughs> well we covered that as well i mean you know you gotta you gotta get into all of it you gotta get your hands in that and stir it up and you gotta get all there get it That's all true. in there yeah i don't know what i'm talking about <laughs> do any of us though do any of us well that's yeah, why we not. have shows we can just ramble that's all right. we want <laughs> uh dave what do you uh what do you think should we get this uh bowl stone started let's do it uh derek what do you got why don't you kick us up Ooh, doggy all right haunted couch has drawn visitors to waco store for past decade this is out of yes kwtx cbs news out of waco texas Oh yeah. There's a. Can I do accents? Uh, you guys yeah. do accents. I can do accents, right? You can do whatever you want, man. Uh, am I allowed? I, the floor's <laughs> yours, brother. Hey, we're we we do not have any badges. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing. Okay, here we go. Colton Birch, who owns the consignment furniture showroom, said the couch was dropped off by a spooked customer a decade ago. Everybody up here was basically afraid of it, and I didn't have a weird feeling until I sat down on it. Said Birch. <laughs> Is that, is that terrible? No, I'm laughing at he didn't have a weird feeling until he sat down. Well, Art sounds moving. Oh, no. <laughs> this isn't what I paid for. <laughs> is this one of them vibrating couches? Felt like the time I got that pedicure at a Walmart. <laughs> Ooh, Texas. Okay. In 2007, KWTX followed the story when the couch's previous owner reported strange occurrences happening. It was said a strange sulfur smell was coming from inside his home. I'm going to stop right there. I don't know how paranormal that could be. A strange sulfur smell. I think I might have a logical explanation for that, but... (laughs) I I could shortlist that. (laughs) I'm not a doctor, but... (laughs) So kitchen cabinets, doors were opening on their own, and cell phone signals cut out as one got close to the sofa which is weird to me. The alleged paranormal activity continued at the consignment store. Birch said customer information was erased from computer systems with no explanation. (laughs) 
I feel like it was the boss's kid, Todd, who works on weekends, came in there, screwed up the whole computer, and maybe fabricated this whole story. I don't know how deep it goes. but He downloaded them Pokemans on it. <laughs> hey, he got them. I don't know if it was a computer glitch or if it was the sofa, he said. <laughs> glitch or sofa. <laughs> <laughs> the couch was later relocated to another area of the store, but two similar accidents happened to former employees. One of the employees got into a minor accident, and then we also had another employee who was in a fender bender the night after touching or moving the couch, Birch said. After all these years, the couch continues to draw visitors to the store who are curious to get a closer look or brave enough to take a seat. A lot of people don't want to have anything to do with it, especially when you show them the blood stain under the cushion, said Birch. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. This gets deep. The store owners said ghost hunters tested and confirmed the stain to be actual blood. It doesn't say human blood, it just says blood. They also said a hole in the back of the couch could be from a bullet, but no one knows the full history of the sofa. Judy Ginret <laughs> Judy Ginret does not believe the couch is actually haunted. Nothing scares me. My faith is the Lord and not a ghost or the devil. I know and I'm very sure it's the work of Satan, she said. While many have tried to buy the couch in the past decade, Birch said it is not for sale. Although one person did, however, make an offer of $3,000. And that's the story. At 3000 bucks, I'd PayPal me today, buddy. Oh, right? Yeah, no sh- I'd I've got uh I've got all kinds of haunted furniture if anyone uh anyone wants in. <laughs> I mean, is he charging people to see it? I, I I didn't get that from the article. I've actually read this several different places and in no place did it say there was a charge to see the couch. Customers are free to sit on it, to touch it. They just can't buy it. Hmm. Maybe he's just thinking it'll get people in the door, and then they'll then they'll but you know yeah sit on sit on the couch. But you you probably need a new dining set. You know, <laughs> I I you know what haunted furniture store, just a whole store of furniture with uh, weird stains, chunks taken out. Maybe what really clearly looks like a place where an axe was once embedded in something. You know, I guess what I'm describing is just like a Salvation Army, (laughs) but it's called Haunted Furniture Store. It's called Bad Will. Oh my gosh. And you hire, you hire like writing students from the undergrad department, uh, from the undergraduate writing students to write terrible ghost stories about each piece of inventory. (laughs) Basically, you guys are describing my rag and bone practice. I I find some old item, put it in a box, and I write a story about it. See? And it's working! (laughs) Well, it did until I said that. Uh, (laughs) It sounds like a Dybbuk couch. Yeah! (laughs) It is a Dybbuk couch. I wonder if there's... It smells like sulfur, not cat piss. (laughs) Well, you know... Maybe maybe that's the difference between the sofa part, like the... the, Mm. It's got to smell like a duke. Instead of piss, maybe that's the big difference. It's deuced out. I love, I love that sulfur is part of it. I want, I just want to have be like, hey, you know, don't sit over there. That couch is haunted. Just, just drop that in conversation, and then move on. That's the, <laughs> that's the haunted couch. Yeah. yeah. Don't turn the cushion over. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel, I feel like he keeps it around just so he can push the blame off to the couch. Like, oh, what's that awful smell? Like, it's the couch. Yeah. It's, it emits yeah. the strange sulfuric <laughs> smell. You, you don't want to know. His landlord won't let him have a dog, so he has to blame the haunted sofa. <laughs> he he doesn't know how computers work and refuses to learn, and yet he erased <laughs> everybody's time cards that week. Yeah, it's the, the couch did it. 
Unexplicable. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's doing something right. He's got himself on the news, so people at least well, know <laughs> know this place exists. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's glorious. I love that haunted sofa times. Flora, Flora, what do you got? Okay, I found a little bit of archaeology for you. This one's coming from Live Science. Beer and birthdays, personal Roman letters unearthed near Hadrian's Wall. Hey-o. So apparently um, they found this cache of secret letters uh, at this Roman fort in uh, the UK. And what's unique about it is that they were they were written on wafer thin slices of wood, and then they were buried in the ground, or or I think they were kind of put on like a a dump, you know, like a discard mm-hmm. a discard pile. I I almost said like they're playing cards. It, it was is basically like a dump, and the ground around there was. I I guess I, I get the feeling that it was kind of swampy. I could be wrong, but e- either way, it. Um, ended up being very anaerobic or oxygen-free, which means that uh, bacteria couldn't get to them, and they have remained in pretty good shape uh, over the years. So this was um, near the Fort of Vindolanda, if that's how you pronounce that. Um, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, and that was was uh, an old Roman fort in the first century CE, so because they were so well-preserved, they can actually read some of the, the, the writing without even having to do any kind of fancy science with it, you know, like infrared photography and such. So what they found with these, it, it's basically just like common letters that would have been sent back and forth between uh, soldiers and their wives, um, some orders, there were some birthday invitations, uh, and it says some of the stories that uh, that are contained. Well, they call them stories. Some of the some of the information they've gotten out of these uh, wooden panels with writing leads them to believe the community was made up of all kinds of nationalities, including Tungrians, which were Belgians, Batavians, which were Dutch, Varduli, which were Spanish, and uh, and and others, uh, from commanders to slaves. And it's a very clear look into life in a Roman garrison at the time because um, some of these birthday invitations had derogatory names for the locals. <laughs> no one was more cruel than the Verduli. <laughs> so these are basically first century versions of my uncle's emails is what you're saying. There's yeah, yeah. Derogatory terms, that kind of thing floating around. Yes, uh, there were there were like whole panels of wood that were like forward, 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 forward. You're not going to believe this. <laughs> uh, they had beer requests. Apparently, the oldest example of women's handwriting from Europe in, in there. And then it says uh, correspondence between two high-ranking military commanders' wives, and these women seem to have led lonely, solitary lives. Sad face. Yeah, they said they they were probably just discarded after being read uh, because they were kind of found in a trash heap. In one correspondence, a man called Masculus asks for leave, or Chimaetus in Latin. And in another correspondence, he is recorded writing to the commander, Flavius Cerealis, asking that he send beer for the men as he could not answer for them if they did not receive it. 
At the time, he was stationed away from Vindolanda and needed the supplies from the base. So, <laughs> just a uh, <laughs> just a peek into Roman garrison line uh, life on the front lines with these little wooden <laughs> tablets, and they're going to put them through more tests to see uh, what else they can read from them that that they maybe can't read just by looking at them, since they're so well preserved. That's awesome. Pretty cool, huh? And I. And yeah, and I do like yeah, like it, it's a classic slice of life. There's some beer complaints. There's some t- shit talking about the locals. Yep, yep. <laughs> Invites to a uh, to birthday party. <laughs> it's- so basically, it's like if uh, you know, two thousand years from now, they find my text messages, and they just go yeah. through and like he's just shit talking, or you know, he's invited to a birthday party. It's it's basically That's the exactly same things. It. I tell my fiance, yep. got to give me some beer while you're at the store. It's, it's it's all the same stuff. <laughs> it's uh, uh, we found this preserved Facebook wall. Yeah. <laughs> looks like he did not respond to this event notification. <laughs> he could have at least said maybe. <laughs> wafer thin, you know. Yeah, maybe maybe that particular missive the guy died on the way to to delivering it. It could have happened. Sometimes messages get lost. <laughs> I imagine it's like Game of Thrones where the, the ravens are hauling these messages back and forth throughout the city and they see a trash heap and they're like, oh, trash. And they abandon all the letters. That's how they all ended up there. They're like, oh, yeah, banana peels or, you know, whatever ravens eat. <laughs> that's, what, that's why the Roman front fell apart there. <laughs> I just I just like the idea of the guy like uh, – delivering the message and the minute the guy reads it running to the window and screaming mark desiree <laughs> maybe <laughs> like <laughs> like <laughs> that's badass i like that yeah well i i'm gonna i'm gonna keep that 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 archaeological ball rolling so here's some fun fact with an old friend of ours. And uh, a couple of folks on the uh, Blurry Photos fan page mentioned this as well. With like some apocryphal, they better mention it. Just shut up. You're not the boss of me. Maybe I don't mention it. Maybe I drove the car this close to Disney World just to not let you kids out. <laughs> <laughs> you monster. <laughs> Dave right. is the real monster among us. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. Uh, no, uh, a, a archaeological discovery at Gobekli Tepe. Uh-oh. They found a bunch of, so they've always known, I think we discussed this, uh, tons and tons of uh, bone pieces and fragments at Gobekli Tepe. And what they're starting to realize is that uh, over half of the ones that they're finding of the human bones, they're skull pieces. And not only that, but these skulls have been worked. There is evidence of them being uh, grooves being cut in them, in some cases holes drilled through them. And they think that there was a uh, a cult of sorts or a religion uh, based uh, that was based on skull worship or collection, and these were like stylized, uh, worked skulls that were being kept there. <laughs> and uh, and so it's this this kind of cool story, and I've seen it pop up in a few different versions in a few different places. But that they uh, some of the the stonework at the site also depicts uh, heads. Uh, being missing from bodies or just separated heads, and uh, and so, and that the heads of some of the stone statues at Gobekli Tepe um, look like the the heads have been deri- deliberately removed. So anyway, it's just a, a cool thing on a, a subject we covered a long time ago, but a cool update as far as what the f was going on there. And 
when we covered that, didn't we, didn't we find out that they had only uncovered or excavated about 10% of it or something like that? Yeah. Or wasn't it like very, a very a small amount? A lot more. Exactly. Yeah. Cause they didn't, I mean, it's a new, as far as the, the, the in earnest, uh, excavation, it, it didn't start to looks like like, but the middle of the 1990s or so. Yeah. And so it's still a relatively recent, uh, dig that they've been working on. And so they're, they're just uncovering these really cool, uh, I don't know, clues as to what its purpose was, what the hell they were doing there. Mostly just a lot of skull shenanigans. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. One of them skull cults. Yeah, skulls. Now, were there any signs of, of cannibal activity with any of these remains that they found? Uh, from what I saw, the the striations and the, the, the markings on the skull were deliberate tool work, not like the secondary effects of someone chewing on a skull. They said that there is also evidence, however, that the, um, the skulls were, uh, re- were defleshed by people. So I think there's scrape marks on the bone. So these, these weren't like, no one was just trying to collect like the driftwood skulls. They were, they were going out there and seeking out skulls and then in skullating them. Getting rid of all that pesky skin and meat and screaming that is usually attached to a skull. <laughs> I also feel like I remember them finding, well, now I can't remember if it was just the sculpture of like a vulture or if it was like a pit that had vulture bones and stuff. Do you remember that, Dave? Does that ring any bells? Uh, really vaguely. Yeah. I mean, that was that was episode was a while ago. And for a guy who doesn't smoke weed, I've got no memory. Oh. Were you trying to draw a correlation? I was trying to think if um, if we already had a kind of an idea of their diet uh, to where it, it might not be cannibalism for sh- <laughs> where it wouldn't be cannibalism for sure. Um, yeah, but I don't remember if we definitively found um, any research that said that people had found evidence of their diet anyway. So I can't. I just can't remember if we did or not. There's too many bells that are ringing. Yeah, it was. We've we've looked at a lot of weird sites since back in the day. Yeah, but, um, but it wouldn't surprise me if maybe they ended up finding some some gnawed on bones or something eventually. Yeah, and 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 the other thing is like, you know, if these people are just collecting the skulls, there's like the rest of a bodies that's got to be dealt with somewhere. Maybe they were maybe they're eating that part and just saving the skull. Well, I thought yeah. you were going to allude to them worshiping vultures or something along those lines and trying to emulate what they do with a carcass and they'd strip the bones. That's and- a, that would be, see, now you're thinking about this far more logically than I would ever would have. <laughs> and I think that, well, I mean, and that makes a good sense. If you have uh, uh, any kind of nascent religion where they're enacting scavenger worship, yeah. then yeah, the col- the collection of remains, you know, I can see how that would fit in there. That'd be, that would be metal as f- is what that would be. That's the new Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> yeah. Indiana, Indiana Jones and the Scavenger Cult. Yeah, hell basically. yeah, it, the bag of bones. Be better than that uh, that that terrible Christopher Columbus uh, script that uh, we got to help Alka Hollywood out with for their two hundredth oh, episode. Man. That was, I love them for picking that. That was just a glorious sack of shit, and it was fun <laughs> to do. <laughs> The script, not what they've done with it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. The script was terrible. What yeah. they did, I mean, hell, they gave it a, an actual functioning score. So <laughs> full points to them for that. That was a blast. Yeah. Well, that's fun. Derek, what else you got there? 
Well, you know, I don't talk about the gene splicing and all the fancy stuff that you guys get into, so I'm going to pick something gross because that's what I like to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like our plans worked because you've come around to what we like. <laughs> <laughs> so optometry today, this, this post actually comes from uh, another Texas town. Here we go. Uh, KPRC, NBC News out of Houston. Uh, apparently... This uh, 67-year-old woman showed up to uh, this optometrist and complained of dry eye or some sort of itching going on. And he did some poking around in there and found 27 petrified contact lenses stuck behind her eye. What? 27. And I guess it it formed like this blue mass that that resembled like a glass marble. Um, You can find pictures of it online. I highly suggest you check it out. Uh, but the the lady had no idea what it was. She said she got dry eye on on occasion and assumed it was just because she was getting old. Um, so he checked it out and they ended up having to go in there and remove it. She came back like two weeks later and and she couldn't couldn't believe the change in you know her her uh, her eyesight and the way her eye operates in general. I mean, she had had to have had so many issues with just. Moving your eye, I would think, would be painful. Yeah. Oh, God. I I just can't imagine. I mean, because the terrible place my head goes is not only is that there's just this mass of bacterially fused things, but they couldn't smell good. <laughs> you know, that smelled terrible. And oh. what was that like? What was that like to be the doctor digging that stuff out? Man, you can be sure she was giving him the stink eye. <laughs> Nice, nice. I so was it was it behind the eyelid or actual behind the eyeball? Well, he mentions the. Let me make sure I get this word: the conjunctiva, which apparently is the membrane that encompasses your eye socket that keeps your you know your eye healthy and clean and safe. So it doesn't say exactly where it was, but it looked pretty thick. I mean, if you can imagine 27 of them fused together, that's what, at least a half an inch. So if it was in the eyelid, you'd feel like you'd be able to see that. My biggest question is how did she not know that 27 contacts, contact lenses were missing? She had no clue. If you, I mean, if you're old and you're losing, I mean, first of all, I've never had contact lenses. So let me establish that what I'm saying is based on nothing but my own opinions of how contacts work. <laughs> I imagine that you'd feel, I mean, even one contact lens missing in your eye, I imagine you're aware of, but let's say you're not. And let's say you lose two contacts a year. If you just, just it's somehow that's not working and they're just cluttering up in some junk drawer behind your eyeball. <laughs> <laughs> she, wow. she said she's been wearing contacts for 35 years. So, that's almost wow. one a year that she's lost. And at some point, you you put two in, you take one out. Yeah, <laughs> like like there well, should be some some check system in place there. I mean, she had to have thought that it had it, they were falling out, right, or or lost in transit or something. I mean, I can't think of any, and and I'm trying to think what would cause somebody to to have that happen. Maybe she slept in them or. Uh, maybe she was prone to rubbing her eyes and then they would get under the lids or something. You know, I'm just trying to think because I, I wear contacts quite often. And if a contact is anywhere but the precise, perfect, delicious center of my eyeball, it is like a stake in the heart of a vampire in my eye. 
<laughs> I can't stand it. I can't stand it if it's not like right on right on where it's supposed to be. So yeah, it's hard to hard to put myself in in that position and say, oh, here's here's what may have happened. She may have just not felt it. Ooh, I can't. That that doesn't. My actual thought here was that she knew. She knew about it. She knew they were going back there. She knew they were. You know, there was some issue, and she was too embarrassed to admit it, or you know, afraid of the doctor, couldn't afford a doctor. Who knows what oh, you know true. the reason is? But I think that's the logical approach to it. But I, I, in the back of my head, I just want to think maybe she's in Texas, so maybe she had the couch. Maybe there was a correlation. Yeah. <laughs> when in doubt, I, blame the couch. <laughs> yeah, I like I like your version where she secretly knows exactly what's up, and they keep <laughs> wanting to perform like. Well, we're going to have to do a full cranial CT scan. Is that expensive? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you should just look behind my eye. No, no, that's that's crazy. There's nothing there. There's no reason to look there. Yeah, but maybe I feel maybe you should just do that first. Well, like, no, we've got a lot of other tests to determine why you're having this pain. They're very expensive and some of them hurt a lot. Uh, could you just look behind my eye first? <laughs> like really trying to nudge the doctor over there cuz you know that's for, not the, they for don't 30 no one years. looks <laughs> No one looks behind your fucking eye. <laughs> it took them a while to get there. <laughs> Jeez. This reminds me of those like pimple popping videos too. I mean, it's just enough gross that you're interested. You're oh, you're yeah. enthralled. Like, oh. you know, what else is back there? Like loose change or some more <laughs> tablets? <laughs> Who yeah. How many other bad ideas did this lady have? Because you know, the minute they pulled that out, all the doctors looked at each other and were like, we need to check everywhere. On oh. This lady. <laughs> I quit. I'm I, done. There is, yeah. Yeah. I can believe the 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 money thing though or being scared of the doctor or or untrustworthy i guess i should say not scared just like i don't trust doctors you know that's the money thing too like if somebody's like no no it'll just cost you know way too much and they're right you know if <laughs> for thinking that but like man that's that's a long time to be to be trying to to pinch some pennies yikes the places you cut the budget i mean <laughs> Of, of all places, that's where you go. Like, oh, there's something wrong with my eye. Uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> right? You know, the thing yeah. I use every single day. Yeah. Oh, I, well. yeah, there's, there's something else. There was a, a story in the last year about a woman who had left her contacts in for like over a year or something. And she was 100% blind and it completely destroyed her eyes. But yeah, these things were fused to her cornea. Yeah, see, she didn't move them behind her eye. Yeah, she, she should have moved them, them behind her eye. Hey, why didn't she put those behind your eye if you don't want to carry them? Plenty of room back there. <laughs> I understand. Uh, contact lenses—they're very bulky. They're huge, heavy, hard to carry around. Why don't you just keep them behind your eyeball? <laughs> Remember when they used to have the the solid glass ones? <sighs> I mean. I was thinking about that uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was talking to my fiance about contact lenses and, and like the idea that they were made of glass and they go in your eye and people were still like, yeah, no, it's better than glasses. People really fucking hate glasses and I don't get it. I like glasses. I don't wear them, but I like them. I kind of <laughs> wish I had them. He's staring at two, two bespeckled <laughs> uh, handsome men right now. Yeah, that's exactly it, well, it, right. 
devilishly handsome. It shouldn't surprise anyone that I went through a brief, like one week phase where I just bought a pair of fake glasses and just tried to pass them off because I really liked how they looked and didn't last long. <laughs> I pulled that Boy, move off in college. Actually, I bought myself a pair of fake glasses and wore them around for a couple of weeks. And then the curse hit. Now I actually need them. So <laughs> yeah, you know, jokes on me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Did you buy those? Did you buy those fake glasses from Monkey's Paw Optical? <laughs> Spencer's actually Spencer. <laughs> the guy said they were free, and then he just wouldn't stop laughing. <laughs> I'm free. I'm free. As he ran away. <laughs> floor go. Floor go. All right. Found this on Atlas Obscura. A mysterious help sign appeared on a beach on the Isle of Man. Now, the Isle of Man. If you uh, aren't familiar with that neck of the world woods it's uh, about 220 square mile island in the irish sea between ireland and britain home of uh everyone's favorite randy little mongoose yeah it's uh today also home to around eighty-five thousand people and uh according to local authorities apparently there was a help sign that they found on a beach and this beach was on an island that was accessible only by boat, and it wasn't far from Douglas, the isle's capital. It was made out of old tires and other trash assembled into six-foot letters. If you look this up, you can see the H is oh, uh, yeah. out of a bunch of tires hmm. and looks like maybe hubcaps, and then like the E actually looks kind of like driftwood or you know old old pieces of, of lumber or something, maybe. Authorities saw this, and they went to look to see if somebody needed help. And they, um, after a search deep in the night involving a quote-unquote cliff technician. Uh, <laughs> you know, those. Authorities couldn't find anyone, so they posted about it on Facebook. And they, to date, have not figured out who made it or why. They're wondering if it maybe was a joke. Or if somebody was marooned and never got the help they needed, or huh. or what? And um, <laughs> it says, "I'm glad no, uh, I don't, I don't know an Isle of Man accent, but I'm gonna go with Cockney because why in the hell not? I'm right. glad no one needed help, but I hope they're feeling ashamed of themselves." One user commented, "For needing help, if if they had to be clever, they could have spelled rubbish, but perhaps that took too many brains." Spelled T O <laughs> T O mini brain ha- hashtag hashtag sick burn <laughs> spelling is correct burn <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah so there was a help sign on the Isle of Man and nobody knows who needed help or why yeah. well, maybe it all worked out or there's a few extra pieces of kindling that are curiously shaped like human bones now. <laughs> There's an exclamation point made out of a human yeah. body. <laughs> this poor guy that, you know, found himself marooned on this island ran to the other side to make another help sign when the help showed up. <laughs> he missed right, it. So. He missed it. <laughs> he was too busy making help signs. So I don't know much about the, the geography of that area. Um, we may have a listener or two from the Isle of Man. And if so, feel free to chime in with uh, an email to us. But... If you have a cliff technician out there helping you look, 
would would you not think that that might be a dangerous area then that there might be some drop offs like yeah first of all is there just like a little peanuts esque booth set up but instead of lucy it just says cliff technician <laughs> five cents like where <laughs> the cliff technician is real in how's that guy making money off of his click his his cliff technicianing like like if the cliff's not working does he have to tell tell people to unplug it and plug it back in again <laughs> well can is i be a troubleshoot po- can i be a podcast technician since technically i have a podcast does that warrant a right a handle such as that oh yeah right uh, like I'm currently an office chair technician because I I just sit on one. So good enough. Welcome aboard. So that's You're what qualified. I'm wondering. Like, are are there cliffs around there? I mean, I know when I visited Ireland and we went to the West Coast, there's definitely cliffs there. There's cliffs of Dover over in England. You know, like these are proper cliffs. So it stands to reason that an island between Britain and Ireland might have some cliffs too. So maybe somebody. I, I, well, see, the the funny thing is you don't spell out help and then throw yourself off a cliff, and you certainly don't do it the opposite way, right? So, yeah. What a, what a weird this thing. wide open. <laughs> what, a, what a weird thing. Well, if my man versus wild uh, knowledge kicks in here, I believe that area is similar to, like, the Oregon or Washington coast. It's awful rocky, and there's treacherous water. You know, that kind of thing. So they're probably not going to swim out of there. And it's most likely why the cliff technician was called in to begin with, uh, if it's such a thing. I'm still skeptical. <laughs> but, uh, you know, maybe, you know, I, I don't know. He's good at examining the, the ragged rocks. Yeah. He's like, that. yep, that's a cliff. Definitely a cliff up there. <laughs> my, my job here is done. Oh, God. Looks uh, like the ragged just... rascal ran around here. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's the nemesis of the cliff technician, the ragged rascal. <laughs> I can handle me some rugged rocks. I can't stand them ragged rascals that run around them, though. <laughs> I'm scared for them, and then I also hope they learn a lesson. I just there's no pleasing me. Yeah. What do you oh, think? Do you think glorious. it's a do you think it's a joke or do you think? Uh... Yeah, I think it's a bored dip. Shit is what I think. <laughs> I agree completely. Case closed. <laughs> Diagnosis, dipshits. <laughs> Can that be our next podcast? It's our, our, our skeptical podcast. It's, it's the new uh, primetime murder mystery show starring uh, the opposite of Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody? Diagnosis murder? It. No? I okay. never saw Just it. me? All right. <laughs> Sorry. Dave, what do you got? <laughs> <laughs> anybody anybody uh i've got bug news uh so it looks like uh the united states department of agriculture has given uh upstate new york the the the, the go ahead oh. to release genetically modified moths into the wild for what to help d- there's an invasive species of moss uh, of moth I'm sorry, called the diamondback moth, which is uh, it's an invasive species. And they are originally from Europe and they have been effing everything up in the United States. They eat tons and tons of crops, uh, cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower, all kinds of stuff. Uh, It's spread to other countries, uh, Southeast Asia, New Zealand. A lot of people are having issues with these diamondback moths. And so, uh, here in the United States. And we've done a similar thing before with um, mosquitoes where 
we uh, gin up uh, a version of the mosquito that is not poisonous or, or anything. But for example, in this case, the male moths now have a gene that kills female offspring before they mature. So they release these males. Their job is to go out, uh, eat a bunch of cabbage, get it on to the break of break of dawn. And then all of those uh, baby insects come out as male or dead. Then the remaining males who are still carrying that gene go out and continue to try to breed. And so it, it, it's a, it's a, uh, a format for trying to collapse that population. And so, uh, and I know that, and I, truth be told, I really, I should follow up on that. Cause I know years ago they tried a similar, uh, a thing with tiger mosquitoes in the, uh, the Caribbean, and they're the ones, uh, tiger mosquitoes are the ones that are vectors for dengue fever, yellow fever. Um, and I think the, uh, I think chikungunya and um, Zika. And so there was a bunch of different diseases vectored. So they're like, well, let's just get rid of as many of these things as possible. So again, they release these, these insects who are perfectly viable in and of themselves, but their job is to breed down the population with this bad genetic uh, uh, time bomb inside them. And so, uh, they've done some trials. I think, uh, Cornell university was uh, working on them a bunch. And so the, the USDA has finally said, yeah, go for it. Let them go. Hmm. And, and the U S has done a similar thing in 2009, uh, with ballworm moths in Arizona. And so I don't know, like, I, I think it's beautiful. I think it's brilliant. It's a great solution to a problem that involves no pesticides whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, you know, it focuses the, uh, the, the problem exclusively to the species you're targeting. Um, you know, and if, if a whole bunch of birds show up and eat these moths, nothing bad happens to the birds. What do they care? You know? Cool. My, yeah. my biggest concern with that is, you know, they got over here somehow. So is potentially one of these infected moths or, or genetically modified moths can make its way back to the natural habitat. Uh, would you say it was Europe? Uh, that's correct. Yeah. So yeah. if they go back to Europe and then start reproducing there, we could see an issue where these now become endangered or, or threatened. Exactly. And so I think what their, their concern there is, is it's like blowing out a candle. So as you have these population blooms in a specific area, if you can collapse that population quickly, then they're not going to get the opportunity to further spread because they're, they don't have that, that stronghold of a population base. With, for, with, with which to breed, to bring in new genetic, genetic material. So uh, the way I imagine, it's almost like popping a balloon underwater. It just boom, mm. closes right in because there's nowhere uh, for, th- for those insects to get to in time. And which is another reason why they prefer these sorts of methods because it is a rapid uh, exponential decrease in a population. Um, because every generation increases the number of insects carrying this trait. So it really, it crushes a population quickly and keeps them. And because of that speed is what keeps them localized. It's the same reason why um, some really virulent diseases don't get very far because they kill their hosts before they can travel very far. And this would, uh, I guess the, the theory being this would operate in a similar fashion. Now, 
every single person who has ever done a thing like this, I mean, when we start bringing in species to solve problems, always think they know exactly how far it'll go and when it'll stop. And that has never, ever, never been the case. So I, I hope in this case that the, I mean, I understand the logic. I hope it all works out. I hope that it, nothing runs amok or there's no uh, secondary mutations. Again, I don't know when you have a genetically modified uh, creature like that. I don't know how stable that genome is. Is it more susceptible to to mutation? I have no idea. I would hope not. I would assume not, but I don't know. I think you have to assume that uh, uh, life uh, uh, finds uh, a way. Uh, that's so true. So uh, as soon as uh, these uh, moths start banging with like frogs and stuff, and then they form mothosaurs, <laughs> we'll, we'll know how this happened. We'll know how it started. Uh, I just feel really bad for the male moths after, you know, a couple cycles of this. Like, where are the girls? This is a sausage fest here. Where are the ladies? Mothage fest. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well played, Flora. Well played indeed. Can I get an assist on that one? Just a little. Oh, yeah. That's as good as I'm going to get. I think I saw in the news just recently, like in the last day or so, that California has done this with mosquitoes to help fight Zika, like, just just recently. I've been hearing for years, and I didn't read up on this because it seemed like a pipe dream to me, but they were developing something that would cause uh, the male mosquito to be sterile, completely sterile, and they're just releasing tons and tons and tons of these things out there. And they're like, you know, yeah. do your thing, do your thing, you're not hurting anybody. So... You know, you think, you know, the female thinks that she's mated and her life cycle's complete, and in reality, she hasn't. So, uh, I don't know if that worked. I don't even know if it's real. It's just, uh, you know, a rumor that I've been hearing out here for, for years. But for a long time, we didn't really have much of a problem, you know, with no water. But now, this was a very wet winter for us, and I find mosquitoes. Yeah. There's a mosquito in my studio right as we speak, buzzing around. Oh. I've been chasing them for an hour. So, they're here now, so I, you know, it'd be great if they do something with them. Right, and, and they do that, you know, with the specific like the vector species that they have issues with. But, you know, like, listen, if there are diseases that are being spread by these mosquitoes that are killing, you know, like malarial, anopheline mosquitoes that are carrying malaria, you know, my my hard assholes approach to this is this we we are constantly messing with the the environment the 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 climate the the biomes of all these creatures we are constantly reshuffling the deck for these for all these animals to try to stay alive i don't mind reshuffling the deck for the animals that rely on all these mosquitoes as a food source (laughs) because we seem to inadvertently be doing it a lot anyway and at least this one time we'll know why (laughs) And we'll know what we're getting out of the deal. And so I, I recognize that there's a lot of species of the of mosquitoes that do uh, uh, form the basis of, of a lot of uh, food for a lot of other insects, lizards, birds, you know, lots other, you know, there's just so many bats, so many other things mm-hmm. that are eating all these mosquitoes. But on the other hand, there's a lot of species of these mosquitoes that aren't vectoring these diseases. You know, these diseases can't just hitch a ride with anybody. They have to be in a vessel that's compatible with them, which is why, you know, West Nile isn't carried by the same insect that carries dengue, which isn't carried by the same insect that carries malaria. You know, there, there's specific species here. And if you can adjust the genome of one species to just hit that species, I'd say that's a win. But then again, I'm also the guy who loves DDT. So, eh, 
Yeah, maybe I'm not the best guy to ask. Dave says as he puts his Monsanto check away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that sweet, sweet money from Monsanto. No, that's the worst part. I'm defending him for free. That's what makes me the chump here. Uh, I'm kind of with you. I say kill them all. (laughs) Also, they make make me itch where they bite me, and I can never forget that. (laughs) So inconvenient. You know, oh, they, man. what what they really need to start focusing on are the fucking ticks, man. Ticks are Hell becoming yeah. a huge problem. They are. I I'll tell you what. I have somehow in my life, and I'm jinxing myself. I'll cover. I'll wake up covered in them. I have never once run afoul of a tick, ever. Huh. Kim keeps warning me that they're everywhere. I have never seen one. Well, I uh, I grew up on a farm in Ohio, and and you get out of the fields or the woods, and you just rub your arm down. You have a handful of them. Like they were yeah. everywhere. Same here. Oh. You know, I I actually saw something on Facebook recently, and again, this is on Facebook, so I can't tell you if it's hundred percent true or not. But apparently, there's this new disease, or maybe it's an old disease that we're just now figuring out that is carried by a tick when it bites the host. You know, let's say it's a human. That human then becomes allergic to all meat and can no longer eat meat. There is some sort of effect. I, I don't even know for sure what it is. And there wasn't a whole lot of information on it yet. It seemed like it was something they were just picking up on. This was about two or three weeks ago. This is very, very fairly recent. That is horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. The vegan apocalypse would be upon us. And all the <laughs> low protein shamblers. <sighs> <laughs> Oh, that is terrifying. I'm going to have to look up. I'm going to have to look more into that because I'll live in a bubble, a bubble filled with delicious, rich meats. (laughs) (laughs) Bacon. That's right. It makes me wonder, like, on the one hand, you think, oh, Mother Nature's taking back the planet. But if Mother Nature really wanted to take back the planet, instead of doing diseases that make you allergic to meat, you would get a disease that makes you crave nothing but meat. You would turn into a flesh zombie. You, you yeah. You just would or, want all, or, but or so, just, or just a zombie, or just, just, a, just a zombie, just a zombie. Well, you know, there's there's brain zombie, but like, if you just had an, an insatiable appetite for for meat of any kind, then you know you you'd see people running out after other people, after cows. Like it would probably combat climate change pretty quick bro (laughs) (laughs) just meat sweats everywhere (laughs) oh yeah flooded with meat sweat (laughs) (laughs) i don't know uh let's see dave what do you think should we round it up and round it out yeah round it up and and move it out i like that uh all right i'll i'll round us out here with a round up uh, let's see. I'll start with this one, which I call cool story, bro. Vine, <laughs> the innovation center for us dairy reported in June that as many as 16.4 million Americans believe that chocolate milk comes from brown cows. Oh, in fact, the center's most frequently asked question on its website is does chocolate milk come from brown cows? The answer is no. Almost half of its respondents to the center's survey weren't sure where chocolate milk comes from at all. What? <laughs> yeah. These are the times we're living in, fellas. These are the, this is the from? darkest timeline. Ah, uh, 2017. Come on. This one's called this one I call Bangkok. <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> 
a brigade from the Sawang Borobun Fire Rescue Center in Pattaya, Thailand, was called to a local hospital on June 24th when doctors needed help extricating a patient from two metal rings stuck on his penis. <laughs> the patient, 33, who gave his name as Wirat, first said he didn't know how the rings had gotten there, but later admitted that he had been, quote-unquote, experimenting with them. <laughs> was that a, I feel like that was a uh, failed experiment. <laughs> when doctors couldn't dislodge the sex toys, they turned to firefighters who worked for 30 minutes using pliers and cutting tools to remove the rings. Oh, God, no. (laughs) And finally, Rainy Lays. (laughs) A driver in Xinjiang, China, took drive-through service to the next level when he carefully pulled his tiny automobile through the front doors of a convenience store, (laughs) requested a package of potato chips and a bottle of yogurt, paid for his purchase, and reversed through the doors with the cashier's guidance. Surveillance video shows the cashier waving and saluting as the car pulls away. He posited that the driver might have been avoiding getting out of his car in the rain. Well, yeah, you don't want to get wet. So what you do is you drive your vehicle into a store because otherwise you could have gotten wet. (laughs) Oh, boy. That is magnificent. I love that. That makes me want to get a smart car just to do that. Yeah. <laughs> one of those, right? one of those little. That's the beauty of a smart car. Little boxy, boxy. Anyways, that's, that's your roundup for us. Derek, why don't you tell us one more time where everybody should go to check you out? Well, they should go to iTunes, Stitcher, or, you know, anywhere else you get your podcast. Just simply search for Monsters Among Us podcast. I can also be found on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just do your thing. Type in Monsters Among Us podcast. You'll see me. Sweet. And if they wanted to get a monthly subscription box for nice cryptid loot, what do they do? Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, Just go to cryptidcrate.com. And if you want to kind of keep up with what's going on there, you can also follow Cryptid Crate on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as well. Sweet. And they have until a certain date to get the next one, right? They do, yes. Uh, you have until the 15th of each month to get the next month's box. That's something I'm working on, but it's a small operation and, you know, logistics, that kind of thing. Oh, I hear you. Right? But I do have a cool announcement that I may as well make here. Uh, as of next month, I'm opening up international shipping to at least Canada, Australia, and the UK. And I'm going to work oh, on sweet. other things. So all you listeners out there, go get it. That's yeah. Right. Very nice. I know Australians who'd be soups into that. I believe you. Super into that. Just saying. Just saying I, I do. It's true. I believe it. I know. Dave, why don't you tell folks where they can find us? Oh, you know what, Flora? Because you asked so nicely, of course I will. Oh. Uh, you can find us online at blurryphotos.org because we're a legitimate organization, not one of them .com weirdos. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, also, like us on Facebook. Uh, make sure to uh, follow us on Twitter at blurry underscore photos. We are also available always for your perusal at uh, patreon.com slash blurry photos. Uh, also, we would love to see your uh, five-star reviews on iTunes. I just want to make sure we're clear. That's five-star reviews. Right. I, 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 sometimes I don't know where people read things. Things get distorted out of time. It's five-star reviews. Those are the ones we want. <laughs> <laughs> Anything less. 
Uh, you got something better to do. Yeah, or just send us hate mail. It's more personal. That'll work. You know we're going to read it. Might even ruin our day. Isn't that better than putting it on face art on iTunes? Right. <laughs> uh, let's see. Also, don't forget to check out the Elegant Ladies of Candy Chat, who just recently released a very cherry episode. Uh, that that's at, at Candy Chatters on uh, Twitter, also on Facebook. Make sure to like them and give Denny a little extra work to do. <laughs> And as always, don't forget to check out the glorious Chicago Podcast Cooperative. They are, I, I wanted to say they're the Bad News Bears of podcasts, but it's like, what if the Bad News Bears showed up and you knew they were going to kick your ass right at, the, right at the beginning of the movie? And it turned out to be a terrible movie, but a really good team. That's what the Chicago Podcast Cooperative is. They're like, they're like the, uh, the Purple Vipers from Dodgeball, but if they weren't dicks. They just showed up. Everyone liked them, and then they won, and they went home. Again, it would make for a terrible movie, but an excellent podcast cooperative. Everyone's been muscled. <laughs> yeah. They still do like the, the clap, clap, hiss, though, because that was pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyway, so check them out online. They've, there's so many podcasts uh, what's, that are available. What's one of them, them, Dave? Well, I already mentioned it. Alka Hollywood. There you go. Those guys are glorious. If you like drinking and movies, and listen... Even if you legally have to say you know, I know you kind of do, and it's fine. Then check them out because it's a perfect middle of that Venn diagram. They make a, a classic cocktail for each movie they're reviewing. They get excellent guests in there to help them uh, uh, figure out just what the F's going on in some of these films. Uh, I know that uh, both David Flora and myself have been on there, as well as the glorious Dark Mark Soloff. All true. All true. None of what I've said is a lie. <laughs> so uh, check them out. Yeah. And don't forget, uh, we are all here part of the Dark Myths Collective. Damn right. Uh, yet another ragtag bunch of uh, miscreant podcasters, but this ragtag bunch likes to hang out under the bleachers and smoke cigarettes during lunch. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> uh, but you can find more on darkmyths.org and... Of course, uh, you can always get a free audiobook from audibletrial.com slash blurry photos. I just finished Hero with a Thousand Faces. Um, I'll probably have to, to listen to that again two or three times just to let it sink in because, boy, is that dense. But um, I got a, I've got a couple new ones, Dave, that I'm anxious oh, to yeah? sink my teeth into. Paranormality, uh -huh. I think, is, is, is one of them, uh, Dr. Richard Wiseman. And um, something about the afterlife. I, I forget. I just picked it out. So sweet. Anyways, yeah, I'm I'm excited to to try those out. So everybody, go try it out and and get yourself a free audiobook on us. Damn right. And then everybody wins. And you know what, you know what else everybody gets out of that deal? What's that? Next time on Bullstone, two dollar pitchers of beer at ten a.m. This isn't your grandfather's bowling out. Oh no, wait, it is. There he is. A new study suggests a correlation between chronic marijuana use and diarrhea, bringing a whole new meaning to the phrase, shit, or get off the pot. Roxanne, you don't have to put on that 12th night? Local theater company The Roxanne Players being asked not to do any more Shakespeare after last season's offensive production of Cockney Hamlet. All of these genetically sterilized stories and more next time on Bullstone. Bye! Hi, Derek. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, man. Thank you. <laughs>